ladies and gentlemen it's time for a good time hey 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 uh hey everyone uh, welcome to another exciting episode of good time uh the show which uh arthi and i host every single night at 10 pm uh where we talk about uh what's happening in the world of tech culture and pretty much anything else that pops into our minds we have a very exciting show for you tonight we try and have a special guest every night but we also have the usual suspects we have mark andreessen we have steven sanofsky we have avichal joining us tonight uh but our special guest uh is eric torenberg and eric someone i've gotten to know pretty well over the last year or so entirely online virtually he's one of the yeah i'd like to say he puts me to shame because he reads so much he consumes so much he's just like prolific he's always asking like really great questions and just always like very well thought through but just as an introduction he's an entrepreneur investor community builder he's a general partner and co-founder at village global uh he's also the founder of on deck and he's going to explain to us all what on deck does and uh, they just uh, had an acquisition or acquired another company so he's going to talk about that as well um he also hosts one of the really popular podcasts out there venture stories and uh sharam and i thought we should ask him about that as well because you know every podcast especially the good ones is such an art form like we've been learning a lot just doing this clubhouse and it's like chaos it's just ad hoc and we don't do any prep as uh, mark would constantly point out to us and uh, <laughs> so eric's podcast is the exact other opposite it's like really well done gets great guests and so um i have, really, i have been on it twice i have been on it twice so there you go he gets well okay maybe not so great guest uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but welcome eric we're so happy to have you here i know you're like prolific on clubhouse as well so we're really excited to have you here thanks for thanks for having me first time uh first time caller long time listener first time caller yeah <laughs> yeah welcome uh tell us about uh on deck like that's one of the things that we were really curious about I also saw your tweet storm of a couple of days ago explaining to us uh, what it was and it it basically started out with saying it's Stanford for adults and that really got my attention. What does that mean? Explain to us what on deck does. Yeah, so that's um that's sort of, that's that's our long-term vision. I mean, if you look at what universities do, they they serve as places where people find what what they want to do. They mm-hmm. they learn the skills to get better at it and then mm-hmm. they make the most meaningful professional and personal relationships of their mm-hmm. lives. And and so what we're what we're thinking about is you know why does that have to end at, at 22? And so uh, you know why can't it be a lifelong a- activity? Um and so we Ondex started initially uh with this cohort model for for people who were looking to start or join their next company. I started it when I was at Product Hunt and I was looking to to start or join my next thing and it was hard to have a community of other people, you know, to find co-founders, bat around startup ideas. And so we ended up having this sort of you know imagine like a a Y combinator for uh founders before they have a company. and so mm-hmm. uh, that that works well and we wanted to take this sort of cohort peer to peer fellowship model and apply it to dozens of other categories like investors uh creators uh professional peer groups of, of any position you you could yeah. imagine ba- basically each category serves as the supply for another group's demand like founders need yeah. to hire people raise money get distribution um and, and it's really this, this broader idea of you know when you go back to stanford When you go to Stanford you don't just meet people in your major but you also meet people at the art school. You also yeah. get a network of MBAs, neuroscientists and you benefit from that that rich network and and diversity. So mm-hmm. the, the vision for Ondeck uh just to close real quick. The vision for Ondeck is basically to serve people from as soon as they graduate to when they retire. So for, if you imagine the journey of someone they graduate college, they get their first job as a designer, right. then they become a design manager, 
Then they transition, find a new job as a product manager. Then they want to, you know, build an audience by starting a very successful clubhouse show, like like you guys have. <laughs> then they want to start a company, angel invest. The idea is that there will be programs for every step of of their career path. Uh, by the way, we have not made any money yet from our clubhouse show. So Paul, if you're in the audience, <laughs> feel free to send us a check. Uh, Eric, and I'm excited. I also Mark here because I think uh, this is something which all of you have talked on. I, I, you know, kind of taking a step back. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts and spoiler alert, me and Erica Prep, I know he has a lot of thoughts uh, on just education in general, right? I think, you know, uh, we hear a lot about it on Twitter. Uh, we hear about uh, Peter Thiel's perspective. We'll see the rise of models like Lambda. I'm just curious, just you know, give us an overview of what's happening in education. What do you think is busted? Um, and, you know, we'll go from there. Well, we uh, we don't have 10 hours tonight, so uh, we'll... We'll have to be, uh, we'll have to, it's a, it's a summarize because there's so many and uh, <laughs> yeah. Mark, feel free to, feel free to jump in. But I'll, I'll, I'll the, the quick punchlines here are basically the, I'll focus on higher education. Basically, it's too expensive. It, it's, it's too monopolistic, preventing competitors from, you know, uh, bending that cost curve and making it cheaper. Right. It, it doesn't prepare people for jobs as, as well as it could. And it's not serving as a good filter for employers. So j- just to walk through the, those four really quickly on, on the jobs front, we have too many people going to college and not enough jobs. Not a job jobs for all the graduates. Only 50% of employed college graduates got jobs requiring a degree and only 37% take jobs requiring a high school diploma. Just to paint a visual, in 2010, there were 100,000 people with bachelor's degree who became janitors and 5,000 with master's who became janitors. You don't need to go to college to become a janitor. No disrespect to to janitors. On the the filter side, the startups used to give, uh, you know, startups used to just zoom out. Startups used to give personality and IQ tests directly but then it became sort of, um, you know, uh, politically incorrect to do so. So they outsourced them, th- those to colleges and colleges was where you proved, you know, uh, IQ via, via the SAT and sort of broader conscientiousness via completing the, the four-year program. And, and now that colleges are sort of starting to eliminate SAT programs or, or many graduate exams, they're pretending that eliminating the S- the, these tests won't dilute the credential. But if, if you combine that with sort of grade inflation across the board, what does it really mean to get into college anymore? What does it mean to graduate? So that's the filter. Uh, on the expensive side, I mean, college debt is now, you know, o- over a trillion dollars. Our, our government spends 3% of GDP on it, and that, that number keeps rising, while also the costs, you know, costs have increased 300% since 1980. And, and this is what happens when government restricts supply. Price escalates. Quality remains stagnant. Um, and, and not only that, our government also subsidizes demand with taxpayer funding, causes prices to rise even higher. And the last thing I would just say is on the competition side, you'd think with all these problems, there'd be all these emergent competitors. You know, people call Google and Facebook monopolies and, uh, you know, often, but they, they get disrupted every, every few decades. In education, the top universities have remained the same for centuries without new entrants, you know, posing much of a threat. I think Stanford was over a hundred years ago. That's the latest new entrant. And it's because basically universities are sort of cartels. They, they benefit from tax ex- exemption at the company endowment level. They get federal funding, federal funding for research, subsidies for student loans. And unless you're accredited, you don't get those benefits and they oversee the accreditation board. And so, uh, you know, we're not, it, it's very hard to, to, to compete. So all, all this explains the lack of innovation. Why disrupt yourselves when no one else can disrupt you? I don't know, Mark, if you'd add anything to that. Yeah. No, uh, Mark, okay. Ma- Mark, before, Mark, before, I, I think my question for Mark is, first of all, Eric, I have to say, uh, that was the highest number of spicy sentences in the first <laughs> few minutes from a speaker we have had on this show, right? Uh, Twitter is probably going to go blow up. 
And, uh, you know, uh, I want to come back to Eric, but Mark, uh, I know you have a bunch of thoughts on this too. Uh, Eric, obviously, a lot. But I'm first curious, uh, how was Mark Andrews in, in college as a student? You know, uh, we want to hear about that. Well, I was a terrible student who <laughs> got a job. My GPA was, was, was not high. So I had a lot of, um, including, I think, probably some of you guys. So I had, I don't know, a very different effort graduates did or a lot of. A lot of like uh, sort of, uh, you know, private colleges and the, the, you know, kind of the big Ivy League, Ivy League school. So I, I went to a very large state school with the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, um, just to give you a sense of the size, 50,000. Right. Wow. And so just like really big. Um, and by the way, like also uh, kind of a fraternity uh, kind of oriented thing. So they, they like to say they have the biggest Greek system outside of Greece. Um, and so it's, you know, one of these. And so it, it, it basically was, it basically was this fascinating case study. And, and I was on the edge of those kind of, you know, almost entirely math, chemistry, physics, you know, computer science, uh, electrical engineering. So almost entirely scientific and technical. So the liberal arts science, the, the engineering side. And it was really a tale because you had, you basically had two kinds of class formats. You had the giant auditorium, you know, with like a top professor. And so you'd have classes with, you know, 500 or 750 or a thousand students you know, in a giant auditorium listening to some guy, you know, who you could kind of see through binoculars, you know, kind of lecturing from the, from the, from the middle of, of, of the, of the thing. And, you know, that was great because world class, you know, one of the co-inventors of the transistor was a, was a professor when I was there at the time. So, you know, so, you know, some of these guys were fantastic, um, but it was a pretty, it was, it was a somewhat alienating. And then the other was the uh, breakout sessions with the, with the TAs. And this was fascinating. So, and this actually became very controversial. So, the TAs were uh, immigrants to the country. Many of them did speak English <laughs> really wow. at all. And it became actually a scandal when I was there, not just at Illinois, but this became kind of an issue actually across a lot of the colleges um, at that time, which is basically they were using the TAs as something approaching, it was something approaching indentured servitude. It was like a very sort of weird labor situation where basically the price of entry to be a foreign student who got admitted to one of these schools um, from any number of countries was the TA and you made like, I don't even know if you made minimum wage. I mean, it was really something. Um, and it was like your job and you had to do it. Um, and of course, you know, you're there for whatever it is or whatever from some other country, like your interest in teaching, mm-hmm. you know, sort of American undergrads who don't really care that much is not that high. And so I would say most of the TAs were, I would say, highly frustrated. And then there was like, as I said, kind of big labor kind of issues that came out of that. And uh, yeah, I would say it was not that great of an experience for students. And so I kind of came out of it thinking like, wow, like I, I don't know how to educate, um, at least undergrads. Um, now, you know, I have a lot of much better experiences than that. I kind of, you know, private schools in particular. The the other just kind of obvious, or I, I think maybe hit to that, but I'll, I'll state more explicitly, is just the current system is just not big enough, right? And so the number, if you just compare the number of at like top end colleges, universities that can actually deliver a top end education, um, and you, you know, you sort of cross correlate that to the 10 year olds, you know, worldwide per year, you know, it's off by several orders. Um, and it just doesn't make sense. It's like, it's one, it's, it's actually really funny. We're in a historical period that's obsessed with inequity and like one of the great inequities that nobody will leave colleges refused to expand. Um, and they refuse to go broad and they refuse to franchise and they refuse to go on the internet. And as a consequence, like these, these sort of the quality educations are just out of reach for, for, for even all the right all around the world. Um, and so there's mm-hmm. just this huge mismatch that can't possibly be met by building more, you know, schools in the traditional way. Um, and so the only way to get at the education that they deserve and that they would benefit from is to adopt a, a totally new model. And it has to be tech and internet based. There's like, I don't know them. And so I, I think Eric's have, you know, Models like Eric's are much, much larger than anything that we think of today as, as higher ed. It, it, 
But that is fascinating. Uh, also, I uh, uh, love that picture. I would say, you know, we coming from India, we had a lot of uh, our friends and, you know, friends a little older than us go through the TA, the RA system. And I think your description of that, you know, really rings true from my my chatting with them in, I would say, in the mid 90s. Uh, okay, I want to go back to Eric. So, Eric, okay, uh, first of all, I have to say, love the data point, you know, love, uh, you know, just love that kind of uh, scene setting that you did. Could you just talk to us about if you had to kind of summarize the alternative approaches? You have one. Uh, you have Austin uh, with Lambda School. Uh, you have you know the Teal Fellowship, which I think you know is way more exclusive. Could you just kind of walk us through like what are some of the alternate models that you see, which is not going to Harvard or Stanford? Yeah. First, I just want to I want to build on Mark's point really because it's it's it, the hypocrisy is so frustrating. <laughs> so Harvard, Stanford, I think they peter out at like six thousand or seven thousand students. But it, do, it doesn't seem to be a reason why they couldn't, you know, 3x the size, mm-hmm. at the, if not 10x, mm-hmm. right? If, if it were any normal business with the entire world trying to get in uh, or trying to become customers, you'd increase enrollment. If you're offering a great product, more people should benefit from it. And, and I think what it shows is that one, a main goal of, of, of this university or these universities are, are about stats. And, and, and Teal likes yeah. to use the, the, the nightclub metaphor in that they don't mm-hmm. gain their power from how many people benefit from it. But from how many people can't access from access mm-hmm. it, and and it's it's sad because learning itself is such a positive sum activity, and then these networks should get more valuable as they get bigger. Uh, but for whatever reason, they are they're clamping down. And if someone in the audience ha- has a has a great explanation for it, I, I would love to hear it because I, I don't see why yeah. they don't two x or three x their enrollment. Yeah, I, I would say like there's a fantastic. You know, I actually you just mentioned something. Uh, just to build on that, there is a fantastic Peter Thiel uh, video slash quote, uh, which I can link to afterwards, where he says something like the sure way to get all of Stanford's alumni, faculty, current students all mad at you is just to propose you're going to triple Stanford's uh, enrollment the next year. <laughs> unless it's for their, unless it's for their children. <laughs> <laughs> Does um. I, I think they're making the wrong trade-off. Uh, you know, I think optimizing for status at, at the expense of utility. I think the networks get more valuable. Uh, if, if Harvard can get all the people that go to Stanford and all the people that go to Princeton, I, I think it would be even more valuable. But, but that's um, that's a bit of a separate topic. Uh, Sarim, to get, to get back to your original question um, around sort of, you know, what's the future? What are we seeing? Um, if we look at college as it's a bundle of many things, but if you look at it as a bundle of, of education, uh, network, and credential, um, you know, o- over a decade ago, uh, with, with MOOCs, we, we started to unbundle the, the education, the, 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 the education yeah. ca- ca- came on. You uh, do you want to explain what, you want to explain what a MOOC is for, uh, viewers who may not know? Yeah. So it's basically just on, online courses. So the, the, the stuff that you were, that you had to originally go to Stanford to, to attend, basically we, we put it online. Uh, uh massive open online courses. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what, what the acronym stands for, but the, um, but so, and that didn't have as big of a, disruption as, as people thought, because basically uh, the completion rates were too low uh, because it's not just about the content. It's also about accountability uh, for the content. And so now there's this new movement towards cohort based courses, which is what we're doing. And many, many other people are doing where um, you get the benefits of, of the MOOC, which are, you know, radically decreased price and, you know, work on your on your timetable, um, but on your own time. But you also benefit from the peer to peer accountability um, in the same way that, you know, you go to a, a Barry's Bootcamp or whatever, you know, fitness class to see other people, you know, a- ahead mm-hmm. of you um, and get, get that accountability. But so, yeah, bundled education, network and credential. So basically, we're seeing an unbundling at like every level of the stack, right? MOOCs did unbundle the education component. We're seeing accelerators, fellowships, 
you know, peer-to-peer network, uh, professional networks unbundling the, the network component uh, for, for certain careers. The credential one is actually the hardest to, to unbundle. And, and we really saw that with COVID. COVID really showed that the emperor has no clothes because the education was already unbundled. Uh, you weren't getting the network anymore, so it was effectively unbundled. Uh, and they were still charging the same price. And so it became so obvious that you were paying quarter million dollars for, for a piece of paper. And, and it showed just how valuable that, that piece of paper is, that, that, that credential and that signal. Um, but for the reasons I mentioned earlier, the filter is getting worse. Um, and we're also seeing digital, uh, filters get, get better. So the, the first iteration of this was, uh, skill specific, um, credentials that where you, you know, in fields where you could show your work, like mm-hmm. development or design, you have platforms like GitHub and Behance that, that can, you know, show how good you are for you instead of you needing to have this, this degree. And, and that works for certain fields. It doesn't work for, for all of them. Um, where, where I'm really excited, this is a, you know, medium to long-term thing, um, is, is peer-to-peer credentials. You know, Sriram, mm-hmm. uh, Arthur, if, if I, you know, trust your, your judgment and you say, you know, this person is the best young person you've worked with, that mm-hmm. means way more to me than a Harvard degree. And they're probably, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of people for whom I trust their judgment. I just don't mm-hmm. happen to know that, that, that list of people. And so I'm excited for platforms that, that can enable that. And, and then we mentioned Lambda earlier. Uh, what yeah. Lambda is doing is it ties education to employment. So they help you learn how to be a developer and then they help you get a job and they're financially mm-hmm. incentivized to do so with a totally different business model. You go for free and, and then pay at the end. And I, yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, that for a number uh, of different fields. And, and then lastly, mm-hmm. what we're doing is, is lifelong uh, education. And so right. I, I think the, the people in the space that are going to win are people who unbundle, you know, a certain element um, of mm-hmm. the experience. And then try to rebundle some some of some of the other ones uh, on top of it, but in a sort of digitally na- native way. I, I love this because uh, you know I know this is you know this is a kind of a hot topic on Twitter, which gets people heated. And I have a question which I think comes up a lot in discussion. But yeah, I just wanted to say so, uh, Eric, like the one part, that, the last part that you said really struck a chord with me, where you said you know, if you uh, the only thing you need from a peer to peer community thing is uh, you need basically somebody else who you trust. To be able to vouch for a person, and you know, it it look it feels so intuitive and obvious because when we hire in our you know in our day to day jobs and companies and stuff, that's you know kind of like we of course we have like a whole recruiting process and channels and stuff, but part of it like a big appeal to this is also like your network and who you trust and who they can refer and who they bring to the system. Like this is already how we've been doing this intuitively without really thinking through how we can apply this for you know, scaled education and just like, you know, just continuous education that's lifelong. So it's fascinating that you took something that's just like super intuitive that we do organically and uh, made it a platform and made it a, a community-centric product. I, I, I say what Eric has done, and I think what Lambda School and others have done is just like amazing. Um, Eric, okay, I'm going to ask you something which I think you and Mark might have strong like, views on. I would say one of the questions which comes up when, you know, um, people in tech, especially talk about decentralized education is, one is that the college experience is not just about getting a job, that it is mm-hmm. a formative time for young people where you hang out with your peers, you figure out who you are as a person. And you know, there is something about the community, you know, collegial life, you know, and I'm going to just done things you regret during the time. But uh, that time period, uh, which you can't replace with just the, the, uh, the sort of unbundling. The second theme, I would say, which is connected to that, is um, the point of college is not to get you a job. It's also to go get a holistic education, say, with the liberal arts or with sports and all these other things, 
that may not just be, uh, you know, learning how to be a computer scientist. Now, I know you probably have a strong take on this. How do you, uh, how do you, uh, how do you think about that? I think you're exactly right. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, how, how do you unbundle getting wasted and getting high? And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just teasing, but, but, but no, you, you, Indian, by, yes, uh, I know. Our Indian colleges, you know, our Indian colleges are really boring. Like, yeah, we'll get into that just a bit. Sorry. I, I think that was no, no. Um, just just to be clear. Please don't <laughs> take this about everyone else. This was just us. Yeah. <laughs> the um, no, no. I, you know, it's funny. I mean, Clubhouse in in one way uh, for for many people sort of like is the, solve the use case of the you know late night three a.m. dorm room conversation where you're just talking about uh, you know just really interesting topics. Sure, you're exactly right, and that's why I said unbundle and then rebundle. Um, and so yeah, you, you have to you know it's about sports and and dating and and friendship and and community and um that's why yeah it's not it's, you know for example when when covid is over we plan to be and we used to be 100% in person but we're probably going to be 80 to 90% digital digital and you know have epic the 10% that's in person is epic retreats where people really get to get to know each other we'll have our own versions of of prom or you know institutional uh, sort of activities, our own version of, of, of sports or things where, where people bond over. Everyone's been, not everyone, a bunch of people have been begging us to do some version of on-deck dating. Uh, we'll, we'll do something there that, you know, in a, in a safe way where, where people can get, 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 get to know each other. Um, but no, I think, Sarib, you're, you're exactly right. E- even those three things I mentioned, education, credential, network, it, it's a lot more, uh, than that, both in the, in the cynical way, uh, when you talk about like faction shelter hedge fund, but also in the um, very real way, which is, you know, it's, it's a coming of age experience. And it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of serendipity, both, uh, you know, interpersonally, and, and more broadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, uh, you know, we were discussing, uh, you know, just our own education uh, on this little back channel that we have uh, earlier. And, you know, one of the things which kind of struck us was how different the education system here in the United States is one from the one that we grew up in back in India. So I actually want to throw to Aarti for just a little bit. Uh, you know, Aarti, can you walk us through what your regular schedule was like with, from school through college? And just so folks, you know, like if you think of academics and college, if I was playing pickup basketball, Aarti was Michael Jordan. So Aarti, you just want to kind of walk us through what the Indian education system looks like for that time period? Yeah, sure. I mean, just so you know, I just want to caveat very heavily here. We have a lot of um, listeners who are from India, who are Indians. And uh, so this may not be reflective of everybody. Uh, but this was definitely my time and uh, how my, you know, my you know, education and upbringing was. So it doesn't broadly apply. I'm definitely not trying to stereotype this. But, you know, I think the broader context, uh, at least for our Indian education system is um, you know, India is a very populated country. There are lots and lots of people competing for very few spots. And this applies for education as well, where the top colleges have only a certain number of seats. And uh, there are lots and, you know, 10x, 20x the number of people competing for um, that same, you know, those few seats at these colleges. And so it just basically becomes a rat race. And uh, what really happens is, at least for me, was... It just starts uh, pushing up earlier and earlier in your in your age group and range where, you know, by the time you're um, 12, 13 years old, you kind of start prepping for what you kind of want to do. Um, and, uh, you know, your higher education or middle school to um, high school is all about, like, how do you get yourself into a really good college? What does that mean? So you start taking, like, extra, like, lessons. You start figuring out, like, where you want to apply. 
I've seen like really crazy things where, you know, parents would just like totally approve themselves to move to closer to these like really big colleges so that, you know, they could just, you know, have a shot at getting their kids through there. And so mine was, you know, I think starting like, you know, 10th grade, uh, I actually know very little about the American education system because I was not, you know, I didn't uh, study here. Um, and so, uh, you know, in 10th grade in India, basically what you start doing is you finish school Monday to Friday um, and then Saturday and Sunday, pretty much like most of the day, uh, you kind of take these extra lessons. And uh, uh, we make it for me, we would just like bicycle from one place to the other and get these like tuition classes to like learn stuff. Uh, it's usually um, entirely STEM based. So you would do um, you know, chemistry, physics, math, uh, whoever took biology, biology, which I didn't. I hated it with a passion. Um, you know, you kind of take these three hour ish classes, followed by homework, followed by tests. So I remember doing this for years and years uh, until we made it to college. And then there was this like brief respite. And then you realize that you still have this rat race to figure out like where you would land a job in. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, I've seen like uh, a few folks, um, you know, over here. I think my my cousin brother is actually here on this clubhouse for the first time. And uh, I think we all went through this very strong experience. Um, and it's, it's very, very different to what I've seen, uh, here at least, just superficially viewing it. And, uh, I think, you know, the, the point here is like, part of it is you kind of get forced into this because it's just scarcity and you just have to like make it through to get to like the top colleges. Uh, part of it, you know, I think Sharam and I were talking about this on like, it kind of preps you for later in life in a really weird way. The stresses are different. The pressures are different, but you kind of get a hang of like just being able to handle pressure. Uh, especially, you know, just the stereotype of like your Asian parents trying to expect like the very best from you. Um, that was definitely my experience. Um, I have to say, you know, my DMs are blowing up. I think Aarti describing 12 standard exams, which is a phrase that all the folks who grew up in India will know very well. It is one week where your entire life is determined and you prepare for that since like age seven or onwards. Uh, I think we just triggered about like several hundred people here. I've been getting a zillion DMs from everybody uh, <laughs> who grew so up in sorry. India. It's intense. Uh, are, are you going to share your numbers at any point? Yeah, what are you, yeah. Uh, share, share, uh, yeah go <laughs> on. Wait, what, what numbers? Like GPA numbers? Or rank and class numbers. Oh, um, we had this thing. No, I I'm kidding. Do it here. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 just, I, I want to move on, but I just to embarrass Arthi and who will kill me right after the show. Uh, some anecdote. Adi and I have known each other for over 20 years. I think some of you know. Uh, back when I met her, uh, you know, in, when she was in college, uh, you know, she won an award for being the first student ever to not miss a single class across uh, several years of college, right? <laughs> and which just, I mean, not one. She had not met, mess, missed a single day, a single session across oh, multiple years. Yeah. And the college uh, <laughs> actually gave her an award for that. Uh, which I don't think has ever been mentioned before. I just want that to be documented online uh, forever. Um, uh, but anyway, that's good. I just want to kind of get, I, I, I'm so dead. Uh, okay, so, uh, okay, this is amazing. Okay, thank you so much, Eric. And uh, thank you, uh, Arthi also, and don't kill me. Uh, uh, okay, so for folks, okay, I, let me just quickly recap, and then, you know, we have some fun stuff coming up ahead. Uh, and I'm also trying to tempt Eric into doing some freestyle rapping. So for folks who are just joining us, uh, this is the, nightly a uh, good time show where we just talked about the future of education and now Arthi was an amazingly darky good student <laughs> back in college